Hello for lover, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, or Loingo, or Susana Suisuiki. Coming up, French Polynesia elects its new president. Also, suffering in silence because they're scared of what will happen to them and their families. Immigration New Zealand confirms it was still carrying out dawn raids in the same year as the apology. And later on, and humbly seek your forgiveness to set us and our beloved nation free. For Fiji, an apology brings a renewed sense of peace and unity. Moitai Brotherson of the pro-independence Tavini Huiratira Party has been elected president of French Polynesia for a five-year term. In the election for the Territorial Assembly, Brotherson received 38 votes, defeating Edward Fritsch of the Tapura Huiratira Party, who obtained 19 votes. Brotherson's victory follows last month's territorial elections, in which the Tavini Party won 38 of the 57 Assembly seats. Koroi Hawkins spoke with RNZ Pacific senior journalist Walter Zweifel, who's been following developments in the French territory. The election was quite an emotional affair and not so much a formal one from the point of view that the outcome of this election was clear because the majority that Tavini has had in the assembly since the election was such that it was clear that uh, Moitai Brotherson was going to be elected president. Um, Edward Fritsch was the candidate of the opposite, now opposition Tapura Huiratira party and president of the previous nine years. Uh, basically acknowledged the defeat and did not go into a long speech uh, except for saying what autonomy had achieved for French Polynesia. He reminded the incoming government that it should not bite the hand that feeds it. That's a reference to France giving a lot of assistance to French Polynesia in terms of education and so on. Uh, Moita Brotherson in his speech uh, did not say what his government program was going to be. He said uh, that's been discussed for so long. There have been so many meetings. He wanted to keep it brief. Uh, He also said that it was now an opportunity for everybody to build the country together. In terms of, um, we know the the core changing of the guard is around the the, the pro-independence and anti-independence sort of difference. But in terms of other policies, what are the differences in this incoming government to the, the one that's just lost? The burning issue is cost of living, uh, unemployment or underemployment. Moita uh, Brotherson has said that he would like to have a, a more involvement in order to help uh, the general public with, with the cost of living question. It's something that's being addressed on all sides. Uh, in practice, it means that a tax that was introduced recently to try to shore up the social welfare system will be possibly rescinded or changed. Uh, Moita Brotherson also said that uh, he will put focus on uh, indigenous languages. He says if you don't have your own language, you are nothing. Uh, this is sort of on the on the let's say the bigger picture for within French Polynesia. But of course, he also addressed the question, or has been addressing the question of what this independence drive will mean, because the outside world perceives, quite rightly, that the big difference between these two major blocks in French Polynesia revolves around the question, what will independence mean? When can it be achieved and how can it be achieved? And again, here we have Moita Brotherson 
suggesting a slow path towards possible independence. He said no one has to fear independence. If there is going to be independence, it will be a choice by the people of French Polynesia, something that could possibly be considered in 10 or 15 years in a referendum. Uh, this is in contrast to the rhetoric from the opposition or the autonomist side uh, that has been trying to say that, uh, you know, this independence is, is, is a risk that is quite imminent. Uh, interesting as well in this context is that a year ago when elections were being mooted as something that was going to happen this year, Oscar Temaru, the veteran leader of the pro-independence party, said, well, if the Tavini or his party wins, uh, that means it's like independence. There will be no need for a referendum because uh, it just shows that people want to have uh, this party and that is independence, uh, suggesting that countries like Vanuatu and Kosovo, they uh, ended uh, their colonial times by not having a referendum and got independence. So uh, the independence question is there. Uh, also to note is that the new president is very much focused on sticking to the process that is provided through the United Nations. Uh, in 2013, French Polynesia was re-enlisted on the territories to be decolonized. Uh, this is something that France has basically refused to acknowledge or recognize. Uh, France has not cooperated with the United Nations in trying to have any discussions in French Polynesia with the French Polynesian pro-independence movement and the French Polynesian government uh, on, on how to um, you know, take stock of what's been happening. We're talking here the legacy of the nuclear testing and so on, things that the pro-independence movement has always wanted to have raised on a bigger international uh, platform as part of this drive to eventually have independence. Uh, another factor that is uh, driving this pro-independence drive is to find an international acknowledgement that the resources, uh, seabed, mining possibilities, uh, fishing rights and the like, that these be uh, recognized as the right of the indigenous people so that France has to be perceived as the custodian uh, at the moment for these uh, assets and that they're not the French assets. And that, of course, goes against the geopolitical picture being played out now with uh, Emmanuel Macron devising his, you know, axis in the Pacific axis that uh, perfectly integrates French Polynesia, New Caledon and the like into France. So these are, uh, you know, let's say points of friction that are likely to arise. And Robertson um, has also already addressed that, it, you know, he does not want to be pawn of these international games or strategic considerations. Uh, he says, well, they would like to be able to talk to anyone and to everyone and not just be beholden to the only viewpoint that is now being held by Paris. A Pacific community leader is appalled to find out Immigration New Zealand was conducting out-of-hours compliance visits to private residents while the government was preparing for the dawn raids apology. In figures released to RNZ, Immigration New Zealand has confirmed there were three visits between July 1st, 2020 and June 30th, 2021. As Lydia Lewis reports, seven people were found in those visits, four Chinese, one Malaysian and two Fijians. 
The Dawn Raids in the 1970s represented a culture of racism in New Zealand. In which Pacific peoples were seen as commodities who could be exploited for labour, and when they were no longer able to be exploited, they were immediately deported. Decades later, the government apologised, but University of Auckland senior law lecturer Dylan Asafo says it never went far enough. The Dawn Raids apology in 2021 was completely superficial. It wasn't actually intended to change government practices, racist practices which target Pacific peoples. It was only meant to benefit the government to essentially make them look good. While the former Pacific People's Minister Alpito William Seo, who led the apology, says it still stands, Bakilao Manase Lua, who led last week's community meeting on the latest dawn raids, feels otherwise after learning early morning visits are still happening. It's disgusting and I'm appalled to hear that they were dawn raiding just prior to making an apology for dawn raids. To me, that smacks of insincerity on the part of the government. And to hear that three of those people were Fijians from the Pacific and all of them were people of colour smacks of racism. The new figures were requested after questions were raised as to why Immigration New Zealand uses these tactics following a visit to the house of a Tonga national on April 19. Mr Asafo has called the system racist and wants a complete overhaul of the immigration system. Otherwise we'll just continue to keep having discriminatory racist policies, whether it be dorm raids, whether it be barriers to permanent residency um, for ethnic minorities. Essentially we have a colonial system which isn't based on honouring tetiriti or waitangi. An Immigration New Zealand spokesperson says they understand the impact the infamous dawn raids had on Pacific peoples and the trauma from that fateful period remains within the community today. So, out-of-hours visits have been stopped until a review into its processes is completed by the end of June. But families continue to live in fear. Suffering in silence because they're scared of what will happen to them and their families. In a statement, the Immigration Minister says the government continues to review advice on whether or not it should implement an amnesty. Michael Wood says he's looking to give clarity on the matter soon. In what's been described as a historic moment for Fiji, Leaders signed a declaration on Sunday to mark a major step towards unity and reconciliation between the two prominent races in the country. The Forward Fiji Declaration hopes to usher in a new era of understanding between the Indigenous or Itaukei and Fijian Indian people. At the forefront of these issues were the racially motivated political upheavals of the 1987 and 2000 coups targeted towards the Fijian Indians, whose forefathers arrived in Fiji as indentured labourers, known as Gremetias, 144 years ago. Under this agreement, Fiji commits to a future free from political coups, racism and religious intolerance. As Rachel Nath reports, this declaration comes at the back of an apology and confession issued by the Methodist Congregation, who under the then leadership was in support of the 87 and 2000 coups. A song of hope and forgiveness filled the church as an apology was made by the congregation. On this occasion, with contrite heart, we confess to you all our past unrighteous acts 
of 1987-2000-2006 and humbly seek your forgiveness and loving favor to set us and our beloved nation free. The racially motivated violent coups of 1987 changed the course of history in Fiji and scarred race relations. The men behind the coup and now Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka poured out an emotionally charged apology. We do not blame you for being angry with us or even hating us. You're justified in your anger and your hate. I stand here to confess and to ask, as you forgive, you release us and you are released. You are released from hatred, you are released from your anger. And we can begin to feel the peace of God. This was backed by an apology from Paramount Chief of Kubuna Federation, Turanga Balena Vunivalu of Bao Tuikamba Ratu Epinisa Dakambao. My deepest regret and sincere apology for the wrongs and violence that were committed by my people that has inflicted you and your families in an inhuman way. As a traditional leader, I have a responsibility to lead by example. The leader called on the Vanua, all the people of the land, to work together to build bridges. The apologies were accepted by former Prime Minister and Fiji Labour Party leader Mahindra Chaudhary on behalf of the Girimatiyas. We are deeply honoured and touched by it. Prime Minister Rambuka, I also accept your apology, be it that it is in a personal capacity that you apologize. I accept the apology of Tranga Bonivalu to Ikamba, Marama Rokotu Indrakethi, and the Tuidakao. A heartfelt acceptance was also extended by Assistant Minister for Women, Sashi Kiran. Thank you for releasing the pain of my people, of my elders. Then the Assistant Minister apologised on behalf of the Fijian Indian community for its hostility towards the Ethiopia people. I must apologise on behalf of my people as well. We have heard in the last 144 years, we were fighting the British initially, then we were fighting for our rights, then we kept fighting. We did not pause to embrace the place we are in. We did not pause to express gratitude. Her apology accepted by the Vanua. Our gratitude, our acceptance of your apology, the Grimitiers and the Sons here in Fiji and those who are overseas. The sounds of joy filled the room as the service came to an end with the signing of the Fiji Forward Declaration.
that's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs, or you can download us on Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, tofa soifua.